to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. And today, we are thrilled to have Leslie Jane Seymour former editor-in-chief of Moore Magazine, among others, and she'll tell us some of the other um, major magazines that she's been the editor of in the past, and founder of CoveyClub.com as our guest. We are going to be talking about Leslie's career break, the magazine years, including Moore, the origins of Covey Club, and all sorts of topics. So, Leslie, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Hi, glad to be here. This is so much fun. Yes, well, love to have you and so privileged to have you here. I'm just thrilled to be talking with you. And before we dive in, I want to know if you can walk us through your career path until you st- started Covey Club. And I know there's a lot to tell. I Oh my God, you're going to be here for <laughs> 10 days. (laughs) I have a very tortured path, Carol. Don't you know that? But yes, I'll give you a very swift look. Wonderful. But um, I originally, I have a very tortured path. I wanted to be a writer. And this is back in the 70s. I went to college to be originally a writer and a scientist. That's what I thought I would do. I went to Duke because I wanted to be a marine biologist and go to Beaufort, Maine, uh, Beaufort, Maine, Beaufort, the laboratory. And um, I got into the science courses, did eh in these big giant lecture courses. You put me in a writing course and I soared. And when you're 20 and you have to make a living, guess where the money is? I said, okay, well, I'm going to dump out of the science. And in my uh, Junior year, switched over and became an English major, much to the horror of my parents who were uh, scientists. They thought I was going to die a painful death in a garret somewhere, starving to death, right, as an English major. Um, much to my fortune, I met a the um, fashion director of the Washington Post happened to be taking a fellowship uh, at Duke that year. And she and I struck up a friendship. I always loved fashion. I didn't know anything about it, except that I could remember every event in my life by fashion. And she hooked me up with the people at Women's Wear Daily, who I went up and saw. They liked me. I started stringing, which means writing for Women's Wear Daily while I was on campus. And that's how I became a reporter for them while I was on campus. And I graduated and started writing for Women's Wear Daily the day after graduation. I went from there, uh, two and a half years there, um, I was hoping to get to be moved to the Paris office because I wanted to be a, I was a Francophile. And um, I didn't get that offer, other people were getting that offer, so I got an offer to go to the New York Daily News. Clay Felker, who was a very famous editor at the time, um, was opening up an evening paper um, at at the New York Daily News to go against the Post. He was hiring all the best people in the world. And he offered me twice my salary, which was actually a livable salary. If you can believe it, in those days, I was making $11,000. That was my yearly salary. <laughs> and he, he offered me $21,000. And I said, yes. And then I said, what is the job? So I was like, I could have been a crime reporter for all I cared. I just wanted to be able to put on- onions on my pizza slice, right? So I took the job. I was there for a year. They closed the paper because they didn't have any advertisers. Gee, is there an echo here? Um, And then I found myself without a job. I didn't want to leave newspapers. I loved it. 
Um, the newspapers were starting to close back then. I couldn't find a job um, in newspapers. There was a woman who had been the beauty editor at Women's Wear who kept calling me. She'd gone to be the copy director at Harper's Bazaar. I kept hanging up the phone. I thought it'd be too boring to go to a magazine. And after two months, I ran out of money and I went to the magazine. And I was there, and because I was a really fast reporter and writer, I started writing like three and four articles an issue, which they couldn't even believe. And then Vogue called me, and I went over there, believe it or not, for nine years. And I was there. I had my first kid, um, and I came back. I was basically running everything that had words to do with it um, in fashion. And um, I wrote Anna Winter's um, editor's letter at one point I wrote Andre's letters at one point and I wrote everything and um, then it quickly um, when I had a kid it just got to be too much um, I was there till 11 at night these are before computers I used to get in there at five in the morning so I had time to write and um, I took a break for two and a half years and I was at home I was working with my kid I totally loved it I used to you know work in the morning and then I would go um, nurse him at this fabulous French restaurant. I would have lunch and then I would go back and do a little more work. I was living in the village in New York. It was, I mean, it was really the life. It was amazing. And then he went off to a very progressive school at two and a half where he would um, go in at nine in the morning and then he would have a play date at three and he wouldn't come home till five. And I was sitting all by myself wondering why I was doing this. And um, somebody came along and offered me the job as beauty director at Glamour Magazine. And I took it because I was lonely. I was like, okay, my kid's not here. I'm all alone. I'm not making any money. Let me go back in. And back then the world was, we called it, a, we called it porous was the word we used for women. You could come back in, you could come back out. There was no technology barrier. Things were very easy. And um, I went back in. We still, you know, I think the big update was, ooh, we went to electric typewriters. Ooh, you know, it was like, it was, that was the big deal, right? So, or maybe the early computers at that point. Um, I, at Vogue, I'm telling you, when I had left the Daily News, we'd been on computers, and I went to Vogue, and I, on my desk was a portable typewriter. I went into my boss, and I said to her, I said, do you know that, there's a DP, the initials DP are etched into the side of this typewriter. And she said, that is? And I said, no, I'm kidding, but they could be. Dorothy Parker had been a writer at <laughs> Vogue originally. I said, but that's, that's how old this thing is. You've got to get, you got to get me at least an electric. Right. This is ridiculous. Leslie, what year was this when, uh, when you were taking the two and a half year career break and you came back to Glamour? Like roughly, when was that? That was, let's see, my son, well, I went back in, um, JJ was, let's see, two and a half. So, and he was born in 91. So that would have been 93, 94, around 94, something like that. And then I had my daughter in 95. So I was there, but I think I was there a little longer than that. My timing may be off, but I had my daughter um, I think I was there for three years as the beauty director, something like that. Um, and then I left, I had my daughter and then I left there and went to be an editor in chief of YM, which was a teen book. And then I went from there to, um, run Mary Claire USA. And then I took a 18 month break 
from there um, because um, I will tell you that the devil does not wear Prada. She also wears Dior. And I got blown out of the water by the French um, because my boss who was, I worked for the American part of the company and the French partners um, and the American partners had not decided who was really in charge of the magazine and I was the monkey in the middle. And uh, they kept ping-ponging me between the two. And um, my boss never confronted the French bosses about the truth about what she wanted. And I was made to do that. And guess what happens when you're the one who has to tell the partner? Or the messenger, <laughs> what, yes. What, you're the messenger. Guess what happens? You get shot. So... I had a wonderful 18 months at home with my daughter who, uh, you know, what was great is she had been somewhat traumatized by all the travel I had to do in that job because it was highly international. And I was home being the mommy, you know, uber mommy. And then she was going into eighth grade and had gotten over um, the fact of me being uber mommy. And I was planning a weekend and, and she finally said to me, and I said, so what are we going to do this weekend? Who's coming over? And she looks at me and she goes, mother, you need to get a job. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I've been fired from Uber mommy by my, my daughter who says I need to go back to work. So I said, okay, maybe this is time to look for a job. And um, the more job happened to come open, an old friend of mine was running it. She left. And um, it just was the right thing at the right time because uh, it was all about women 40 plus. I was 40 plus. And so um, I took it and I was there for eight years. It was fabulous. And, you know, who knew that the business of magazines would be so disrupted that it would completely crash and die in eight years. But, uh, you know, the irony is I saw it in my very first job in the Daily News, which was the newspapers were closing. You know, back then, there used to be four and five news, you know, newspapers in metropolitan cities, and they were already in decline. So it's been a long, torturous um, thing way before the Internet um, of overglut, overconsumption, over lack of differentiation between all these products. And then you bring in the internet, which creates easy distribution, um, you know, low cost delivery and allows advertisers to reach a consumer themselves. And they no longer have to go through. Um, they don't have to kiss Anna Winter's butt to get to you. So they don't, right? And that's what yeah, happened. You know, I, cause I've been following you and your career pretty closely for, for years now. And I was aware of that 18 month career break, but I was not aware of the prior two and a half year career break. So you, Leslie, are actually a right. two time relauncher. Pretty I'm a twofer. Yes. <laughs> so Leslie, can you tell me uh, the period between when more folded and when you started Covey club, was that what we 
describe as a floundering period where you want to start your next chapter or go back to work, but all the issues that are involved in doing that come together at once and feel very overwhelming. And you might even have a period of time where you don't make progress because you don't know where to start. Or did you emerge from the uh, role at, at Moore and have this clear vision of what you wanted to do next? Well, I had the luck of, I had eight years of more, um, and the last really three years were very wobbly. You could see that publishing was really getting very harrowing. Um, you'd look across town and at timing, they'd be laying off 400 people at a time. I mean, you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to say, wow, this is not going very well, right? And I had run four magazines already, and people would say to me, what other magazine do you want to run? And I frankly knew that I didn't want to run another magazine because the joy had left the whole system. It had become about downsizing, downsizing, cutting people, asking people to do things for free, asking, you know, it was just, it was, there was no joy left. And, um, you know, everything was just people were doing seven and eight jobs. People were working through the weekends for no pay. There were no raises. It was it was not the business that I had gotten into. And it was nothing that I thought I wanted to have a future in. So the reason why I told you about going to Duke as being um, wanting to go there to be an environmentalist originally is I had the opportunity through a friend of mine who had, was over at L'Oreal and had been talking about how she was getting her degree in sustainability at night. Um, and she had been telling me about this. This is about four years into my career at um, Moore. And I pulled her aside and made her sit down and talk to me about this because this was a career that I'd abandoned, remember, in my 20s. And I thought, wow, this is a really interesting opportunity because Columbia, you know, I'd looked into going back to school in environmentalism because it's always something I was interested in. Back when I was at Mary Claire um, and I'd heard somebody give a lecture about climate change, it really moved me. And I felt like here I am, I'm somebody who has a voice on the world. I can say something, I can write about things. Um, I always thought I might write about science at some point. Um, is this my moment? And I went and I looked, and at that point, you had to quit your job and go back to school full time. My girlfriend over at L'Oreal, who um, was getting her degree in sustainability, showed me you could do it in your evening hours. So I actually went up to Columbia. I applied. I thought I wouldn't get in. I got in. I thought I wouldn't go. I went to the first classes. I literally went to sit down for my first quiz. I thought I needed a discomfort bag that you have in the in the airlines. I really thought I was going to puke on the floor. I thought, I, I, how am I going to have a quiz after 35 years of some, how is somebody going to give me a quiz, right? And it actually was the most amazing thing because it just opened my whole world to being with different types of people and being with younger people and learning new technology and just it, it exercised a part of my brain that had been so dormant for so long. And I'm one of those kind of people that I love to learn. And I love my brain is, is it doesn't do well when it's in one track. My brain loves to be ex, when you exercise one part of my brain and the other part gets charged up. So 
it actually made me do better work in other parts of my life and in my career as well. And so I, I thought I'll go back into the beauty business. The beauty business, they're really in trouble with sustainability. They have a lot of long way to go. And I thought I'll just go over. I had, you know, I'd been a beauty director. I could, you know, go over to one of the big beauty companies, help them out. I'll get my degree. I'll get my master's. I'll do that. When I, when I left the magazine, the day the magazine closed, my readers were so angry that they all poured over my social media and came to me and said, do something else for us. This is so outrageous. How can people walk away from us? We are a vital audience. We have money. We have say on the world. We have agency. This is disgraceful. They were furious. And they really encouraged me to do something else. 627 of them took a 54-question survey to the end um, to paint a map of what they wanted, which turned out to be half events. Wow content. And That's you, amazing. it is truly amazing. If you think about what we know, if you're a researcher, anybody who's listening, who's a researcher, you know, you can't get anybody to take more than 10 questions today. That's right. Even sometimes three questions is too much. 54 questions <laughs> are too much. to the end. And um, so I painted this map and, you know, we, we have agile innovation today and I made the map and I made a minimal viable product and I'm putting it out there and I'm working with my consumers and it's half content, half events. And I am literally building this project with them. And we call it Covey. And the reason why I call it Covey, Covey is a small group of birds. I wanted it to be a small, cozy place where you could come. You could be yourself. It's for lifelong learners. As you can see, that is what attracts me to all things that I do. I am a constant learner and I discovered that most of the people that are attracted to me are constant learners. I think that learning is one of the number one ways that I figure my way out of trouble, issues, um, roadblocks. I go to learning. And I think that's also one of the big ways that you get out of a standstill. Like if you're in a situation where you've left the workforce or you've left something and you have to start from a standstill, what's the first way that you can get going? Go back to school, take a course. Um, it's a Learning is just an amazing start, starting point. It's just absolutely vital. And I, I recommend to everybody, whether you go take a course at the local high school or whether you go back for your master's or your MSW and something you always wanted to do or some, you know, I know people who've always wanted to be a Broadway producer. They, you know, they raised their kids and they said, I want to do that. They went back to Columbia, got their degree in Broadway producing, and that's what they're doing. You are listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, your host, and today we're speaking with Leslie Jane Seymour, former editor-in-chief of Moore Magazine and a number of other magazines, and founder of Covey Club. So, Leslie, can you tell us a little bit more about Covey Club and how it works? Um, what kinds of things do you do? How do you become a member? And who do you who is in the membership? What's the target demographic? So the target demographics of Covey Club is women 40 plus who are lifelong learners. And you can be anywhere around the world because we're digital. 
We have a daily blog, which you can read. And also, if you're a writer or you have a book or you have some in, something interesting to say, you can talk to us about contributing. And we have a monthly digizine, which is like a magazine, but it's digital. Then we have what we call coffee and conversations, which are like panels, but they're virtual. And we do them once a month, sometimes twice a month. Usually on a Wednesday evening for one hour, I bring two experts and we have these great conversations. You get to ask questions live. We do it over the Zoom network. And they're about everything from anti-aging skincare secrets to women in power to should you become an angel investor to we're going to have one coming up about how to lose weight without dieting, which is really true. It's about how to change your eating habits completely. By somebody wow. I know, it's That's really going to be popular. It's popular. I mean, this is a woman who who just it works miracles. She's absolutely amazing, um, and you can join those, um, and those are virtual. And then we have real life events. We had a wonderful tour of the portrait gallery in D.C. when the Obama portraits um, were released, um, and then I come around the country, and we are doing events that are live. I did one in um, Silicon Valley, one in L.A one in DC, a couple in New York. We're going to have a big one coming up in New York um, in, dis, uh, in, Jan in July on the 25th. Um, so we do real life and we do virtual. And the wonderful thing is I'm trying to build a community of women so that here's the, we, in, in, in entrepreneurial words, we call it the BHAG, which is such a nutty word, especially, you know, for older women, hag, right? But it's, it's the big, hairy, audacious goal. What I would like to do is connect 230,000 women across America. So imagine that when you are traveling anywhere and you're an executive woman or you're managerial or you're um, a woman like us and you have to go to Austin for one night and you have dinner open and you don't have any friends in Austin or you don't have any business colleagues there, you can go on the Covey site and say, who's going to be in Austin Tuesday night? Um, can someone grab dinner? And you're going to meet an interesting woman just like us. And you're going to make a friend in Austin. And the interesting thing about when you're 40 plus is women are, you know, we're accomplished. We can help each other. We have deep you know, contact lists. We know what we're doing. And, we, you know, we are really there to help each other. That's what's really interesting about the Covey Club. And Covey means a small group of birds, with the idea being that this group of birds of a feather are flocking together. And I want it to, I want it to be small and I want it to be intimate, which is kind of the opposite of these giant, giant, giant women's conferences with 7,000 people where you sit, you know, seven football fields away from the person speaking on the stage. And, and I also want to highlight real women like us. Yes, there are five superstars that everybody keeps talking about the same five superstars. Those people are great. What about us? There are thousands of really interesting women who have done interesting things like you, Carol, and you've been on my podcast, which is the Covey cast. And I want to talk about women like us who have reinvented ourselves um, and who are more down to earth and easier to attain. And I want women to understand you can do it. Um, one of the really interesting things on the Covey cast, for instance, um, which you can get on iTunes or Podbean, 
um, is that we're talking about all different types of reinvention for women 40 plus. And a lot of it has to do with becoming an entrepreneur because a lot of women 40 plus, they're not going to be able to get themselves back into corporate life, right? It's going to be a self kind of employment kind of thing. And everybody's talking to 20 year olds about being entrepreneurs. Nobody's talking to older people about it. And certainly nobody's talking to older females. It is such an untapped market. And when you go out there and find all these incredible things that women are doing, it will make, it just blows your mind. And I talk to women who are either creating venues for women to do um, crowdfunding campaigns or women who are looking for financing. How do you go get financing for your dream so that you can start your, you know, finance your reinvention? How do you, um, and it could be, you know, personal reinventions that are not just career. I have a wonderful podcast that we're releasing very soon, which is about a woman who lived the perfect dream suburbia life, kind of an old fashioned life. And she, you know, had the two kids and the dog and the picket fence and then discovered that her husband, who was a gambler, had um, gambled their entire savings away, uh, away, and she had to start from scratch for that reason. And she'd been home with the kids, and now what? And she did it. And she has her, you know, she works in a travel agency, and she's, she got herself out there, and she talks about how she figured out she got the first job that she had been a marketer 18 years earlier. She had left, left the workforce, and she got the first job she put herself out there for. She was so determined and she, I'm like, I'm like, you got the first job. She's like, yes, I did. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? And she said, I knew I had to. And there were, you know, I just marketed myself. I figured out what they wanted and I landed it. And, uh, it's amazing. It's really incredible because you know we've had relaunchers who are propelled back into the mo uh, to, to the work world by these kinds of circumstances. It could be divorce or death or disability of a spouse or partner. Um, the kind of situation that you're just describing with this particular uh, woman, and this whole concept of reinvention. I just want to come back to Leslie because you yourself are embodying um, exactly what what you're putting out there for others to emulate. So you. You, here you are um, with this uh, like very senior level, multi-year um, career, um, like high-level career in the uh, publishing business and the magazine business, and now you're an entrepreneur. Starting and, from the bottom, Carol. Yeah, I keep wondering, <laughs> like, can you? Can you point to um, s skills or certain um, uh, just traits you, you um, started to develop more in your personality that that happened um, while you were in your magazine career that you're now using as an entrepreneur? Well, I've always been incredibly curious. I'm a very curious person. I've always been very interested in learning about different things. I've also always been high energy and somebody, when I was a kid, Carol, I used to sit in front of the television set and I would have a workbook in front of me and I would have crayons in a crayon book. And I would have, I mean, I just, I just always have, I have to have a lot of activity. Like my husband and I laugh because he says to me, his day, his day of idea of a dream day is waking up with nothing to do. I say, <laughs> That's my, going. that's my idea of death, right? That's like, I can't even 
I mean, I would die. I would die. I would be like, yes. oh, my God, no, I need to be needed. I need to be involved. I need to be. It's a personality thing. You have to know that about yourself. Yeah. And I've always been very honest with myself. And I've always been, you know, very realistic and very humble. I got, you know, my very first job was at Women's Wear Daily and all these fancy designers were whining and dining me and the boss came to me and he said, I just want you to know none of these people are really your friends. And that stuck with me. And there were a lot of people, you know, and then I went to work for Vogue for nine years and Harper's Bazaar and I ran Mary Claire. And I don't know what it is about my composition, but I saw a lot of people who didn't know that. They thought, they thought it was them. They thought that people were sending boxes of cosmetics to them. They thought that people were inviting them to the opera because of them. I don't know, somehow, I'm just a really practical, down-to-earth person. A lot of people used to say, when I was, you know, when I was at Vogue, they told me, I would go to places and they would say, you're not what we expected, and not in a good way. Like, they said it in a bad way. I knew I had to leave Vogue because it would never, I was not, I was not a crazy, snotty, wackadoodle, crazy person. And that's who does really well in that environment. Um, so it served me well in that now, you know, I have no problem starting at the bottom. And the wonderful thing is, is that coming all the way around and always having been myself and been who I am. I mean, I'm not to say, that's not to say that I didn't step on some toes and I'm sure there's some people out there there. Look, I had to fire people at, at times for various reasons and I'm sure there are people who have voodoo dolls with my name on it. But um, I always tried to be as honest as I could and as true to myself as I could. And, you know, just the other day I had lunch with somebody who I could, you know, you can't, you have a long career of 40 years and she's now an editor-in-chief at a big magazine, and we were talking about she wants to do something for me, and I said, that would be great. I would love that. And she said, you know, you may not remember this, but I was a researcher back at Vogue, and I used to come in and work with you on your pieces, and I'm rolling my brain back, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even remember that. And she wow. said to me, she said, you know, you were the only nice person to me there. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I thought, Wow. That's really interesting because I was told because I was nice, I would never make it there. And look at how that's serving me now. I was ashamed that I was nice. And I was told I was weak and that people wouldn't respect me there. And so the thing that I can tell you is you have to be yourself. You know, you have to be. I, I realized after nine years at Vogue that I couldn't be anybody else. I, it finally dawned on me that I couldn't be the devil who wears Prada. I just, I, I wanted to be, but I couldn't even pretend. It just didn't, I, I wasn't that good an actress. I couldn't do it. And I, I, just, it, it, I just realized the only way that I could survive and go home at night and feel comfortable was to be myself. And I think that that is the way that, you have longevity. And I will tell you after living a 40 year career and going all the way to the top, not without, you know, getting kicked down a couple of times, um, is that it does come back. If you are as good a person as you can, and you try to treat people honestly and kindly, and with 
as much dignity as you can. And if you try to do good by them as much as you can, and that's not to say that there aren't going to be times you're going to be put in crappy situations and you're going to be forced to do things you don't want to do. But if you honestly do as much good as you can and live in a way that you feel you're living your ethics and you be who you are, it comes back. So being an entrepreneur, I can't tell you how many people I run into now, and I don't even know half of them, who say to me, you know, I heard you speak at XYZ blah, 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 and you changed the direction of my life because you said blah, 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 and I'm like, I did? And I'm thrilled because that is what my whole goal is. My whole goal is to inspire other people to do what they want to do. And if I can get one person who's listening to your podcast now to say, you know, maybe I'm going to give it a shot. Maybe, maybe I'm not done. Maybe I shouldn't be afraid of launching that thing I was going to launch that everybody else is telling me I'm really shouldn't be doing because it's too risky or whatever. Oh, hell, I'm just going to do it. Then, then, then I've done my job because it is really scary. I'm not going to tell you it's not scary. It's freaking terrifying. And it's really scary. You know, uh, to be really honest, you know, when I left more, um, I was in a situation where, you know, I could be done. I could like shop at Bergdorf's and live a very nice life. And I, my kids are off and they're doing great. And I could write a piece here and there and I could, but that's just, I, my mission is to help women. That is just who I am. That's been the through line through my entire career. And I love changing lives. And I believe words can change lives. I believe journalism can change lives. It's, it is an amazing thing that communication can do to change lives. And I've heard it. And What's really funny is I did my first little Covey event before we even had the website launched last April. Merrill Lynch had come to me and they wanted to do a little sponsored event. And we got together with Jennifer Bandier and we did a very tiny little thing for 30, 30 people. We did a yoga for an hour. She has a beautiful um, space down on Fifth Avenue. We did yoga for an hour. I interviewed her about her reinvention. She's an incredible reinventor. Her story is fabulous. She's hilariously funny. And I invited 30 friends. And then we shopped for 15% off, right? <laughs> A woman who had come, who I didn't know well, six months later sends me a note and says, that event changed my life. I'm like, what? She said, I wanted to be a designer. I had all these ideas. I didn't have the courage to get going. Your interview with Jennifer made me think, what the heck, I'm just going to get off the wall and do it. And I did. And now I'm going around the country selling my clothes. Wow. That's I incredible. get goosebumps. I was like, I hadn't even launched the site. I was like, okay, this is my mission. This is what I want to do. And I'm sure that you have that same mission, which is, it is a very powerful feeling to help other people. And sometimes all other people need to see and hear is that other people have done it and that gives them the courage to try. And you can be the catalyst. Right. And that's, 
That's really a great place to wrap up today um, because, you know, it's when you're in that role, it's also incredibly gratifying to hear from people who communicate to you that you've had an impact like you're 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 just talking about right now. Uh, So, um, Leslie, can you um, tell us how our audience can find out more about Cubby Club? Yes. So you can come to CoveyClub.com and you can sign up to join us. I hope you will. We also have a Facebook page. We also um, have a Twitter handle, so you can come and follow us. You can also follow me, Leslie J. Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R, and it's L-E-S-L-E-Y. And we would love to have you all part of what we do. You can follow us also. You can subscribe to the, uh, the Covey Cast, which is our podcast. And you can hear my wonderful discussion with Carol. <laughs> which was a terrific discussion about how she encourages women and how you encourage women to reinvent themselves and how you created this wonderful platform for women to do it. Because that is, I mean, to get women, as you said, from two years to 25 years out to reinvent themselves, that is really hard. And you've done just such a stellar job. So this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Leslie. And thank you for joining us today. Oh, loved it. Thank you, Carol. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, your host. I'm the chair and co-founder of I Relaunch. If you want more information on iRelaunch, be sure to go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, please rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.